Hey everyone, welcome back to Off Script. I'm Connor. I got Eric on the line with me today, and we are back talking Game of Thrones. Uh, Eric, oh, yes. Eric, we're only a few days out. We're about a week and a half away, 10 days here from Game of Thrones premiering. Uh, I mean, lots of hype building up to this final season. So we just want to kind of discuss with you guys some of our favorite episodes and mainly talk about season seven and then predict what might happen for season eight. So, uh, yeah, it's going to be fun. Getting ready. It's a 10-day countdown. <laughs> so, alright, have you been watching all of them? Like, I, I actually started on the 67-day thing where if you watch every one episode a day, you can end up watching all of the episodes right before the finale, or uh, the premiere. Um, have you started that yet? Wow, sounds like you've been turning the whole 30 challenge and putting it into Game of Thrones. That's dedication. Hey, man, something like that. Um, I figure... <laughs> you know, I've been in the uh, I've been in the binge watch variety, you know, season at a time, take That's a week right. off, season like at that. a time, take a week off. <laughs> Good. Well, that no, naturally, as one does. So great, but thank you guys for listening. We have a lot of good content coming out. We have a great article actually. Eric posted the other day. Um, it's on just why we love Game of Thrones. So make sure to check that out. Really good stuff. Uh, we also have a lot of different podcasts. We have Shazam coming out. We've got a Deadpool that we're going to do here in a few days, ranking what people we think are going to end up dead, dead or alive. We also have UVA basketball playing in the Final Four. So can you just send your thoughts to Tony Bennett and co? That would be much appreciated for me and Eric. Um, so Prayers, thank you. thoughts, uh, letters of... Uh, you know, praise and encouragement, any what? and all forms are appreciated. You know, or Nothing. if you just want to send a poison pizza to the hotel room of every Auburn player, we're okay with that too. We accept that. You know, send it to Auburn, send it to the Spartans, mm-hmm. you know, I, you know, the Red Raiders, I mean, you know. Nope. And you got the flu, you got a jar of influenza, send it their way. Yeah, Anything just, and just all is appreciated. drop it in their hotel room. <laughs> The bellhop will know where to bring it. Exactly. So we we got all the connections here. So, uh, but thank you guys for listening. Make sure to check us out on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter. We got a lot of good stuff here. So uh, enjoy this episode. And as we jump into Game of Thrones and kind of breaking down every you know the next few the last few seasons uh, leading up to season eight. All right, guys, so we're just going to jump right on in here. Uh, if you haven't listened yet, we have two really good podcasts on Season 1, Season 2, Complete Breakdowns. Uh, but because of the postseason success of UVA basketball, we have been a little bit behind. Uh, I mean, better than last year, right, Eric? You know, anything anything is better than last year. <laughs> Beating a 16 seed this year, I was like, wow, this is a big deal. We're moving up in the world. Connor Webb, they put up a struggle. Man, they, pack line, pack line came through. It's one of those situations, and I don't know why, but in basketball, more than any other sport, it's you know whatever team makes the most shots typically will win. Can get a typically, little f- it's not like it's not like Rob Stark in season three where he says he wins the most battles, but he's losing the war. Yeah, not, typically in basketball, you make the most threes, you win. Yeah, not but the case here. Thankful, not <laughs> the case here. Uh, yeah, thankfully that it's not making the best threes because Purdue hit us for fourteen threes. That was that was wild. You want to talk about otherworldly performances, Carson Edwards? You have our appreciation, and we're glad that you lost. Yeah. Carson Edwards, we're the White Walkers, and you're Jon Snow. You put up a great performance, but at the end of the day, <laughs> your watch has ended. <laughs> Oh man, uh, let's just uh, let's use that. That's a good transition point. So, <laughs> Eric, we've been talking a lot about season one, season two. We talked about how how much we enjoyed those two seasons, first and foremost. But uh, I just want to start off today by doing a tier. So I just want to tier out see the rest of the seasons of Game of Thrones, and then just kind of break, talk talk a little bit about seasons three, four, five, and six, and then we can talk more in depth on season seven, and then do our predictions for season eight. So, season three, uh, or I'm sorry, tier-wise, we actually came up with the same tiers. Do you want to just kind of break that down for everybody? Sure. So, we just put four tiers um, because based on just each season and what actually happened, uh, there's, you know, some of the seasons were more battle-heavy, 
some of them, obviously, more just exposition. Just you got to be content with two characters talking a lot. And I mean a lot in each dialogue. So, you know, they all have their best. But uh, we start off, broken off, uh, first, one, two, three, four. Uh, I'll just give us our top tier season. Uh, in the upper tier, the season that stands alone in our minds was season six. Yep. Uh, and we had, I mean, it had, you know, of course, the last of the seasons that had ten full, had ten episodes, so the last full season in our minds. Uh, but you just had some heavy hitters in that episode. I mean, ending it with Winds of Winter, having some great battles, or the great battle in Battle of the Bastards. Uh, you had uh, you had Arya's homecoming. You have Bran meeting the Night King. Uh, a lot happened. We learn the origins yeah. of Hodor. We learn uh, Tower of Joy, the fight sequence there, without even learning, you know, knowing what what it means. There's so much that happens. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. And it's funny you mentioned. It's funny that you mentioned Hodor. I mean, you want to talk about? We probably thought by by season six, most people have read lots of different theories. We already have suspicions about R and L. Uh, there's, there's not as much that we're... And, and by that point, that was the first season that was past the books. So, mm-hmm. like, t- totally past the books. So, for all, all of us back at home thinking, well, what else is left to surprise us? Hodor, and that scene, that I don't know anybody, anybody who could have predicted what would have happened with him. Oh, very much so. Uh, yeah, I remember there's a joke going around the internet because some guy tweeted out back in like 2012, 2013 along the lines of, I think Hodor has just been waiting to hold a door for someone for a long, you know, for a long time. And that's it. And I mean, it turns out, yeah, that's kind of, kind of what's going on. Uh, so, I mean, congrats. You know, I would say, what would, I would say what would be more likely predicting that scene or getting 100% on your March Madness bracket, but I, I guess we know the answer to that question. Yeah. <laughs> this is the first time ever anyone got a perfect Sweet 16 on their bracket. So it's not even like, people are like, oh, get a perfect bracket. If you get a perfect Sweet 16, that's pretty crazy. Uh-huh. Like, leading up to that. So, anyway. Uh, yeah, Hodor has a really interesting story with Brand Warging. We learn a lot about that. Season 6 brand I liked a lot better than Season 7 brand. We are going to talk Season 7 here in a bit. Uh, but yeah, Eric, what was your favorite episode of Season 6? Season 6, I mean, it's, it has to be Battle of the Bastards. Mm-hmm. Uh, if nothing else, just because, honestly, John got lucky in the end. He, had, he came up with the worst battle plan, Ramsey Bolton. So you have Ramsey Bolton on one side, who's got... Uh, you know, he's captured Santa, he's captured Winterfell, and John's fighting for his home. He's fighting, like, he's got some... Sorry, John, the mo- I like, sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off, but like, John, my only thing with him is, that whole season, John has a bit of a death wish, where he just is like, I don't care. Like, I'm supposed to be well, dead, I'm not supposed to be here. To be, well, to be fair, you can't have a death wish if you've already been dead. Yeah, oh, yeah, completely. Completely. Like, I'm not blaming him. It's just, like, I like when Sansa says, we don't have enough men. And he's like, it's what we have. It doesn't matter. Like, this is what we're fighting with. And then when he pulls right. his sword out and just kind of, like, looks at him, he's like, yeah, like, this is how it ends. <laughs> right. Oh, you're very right. And that's it. John's just in there not listening to Sansa, not thinking about the fact that, well, quite frankly, she's been alive more recently than he has. I mean, doesn't think, not thinking, like, she might know something. Yeah, she she spent an entire. It doesn't even matter. She spent months with Ramsey. Like she's trying to tell you how he's going to do things, John. Listen, listen. So I mean, yeah, and then start starting a trend. If that hadn't, you know, if it hadn't started already, if you hadn't noticed, the women start to run things by the end of season six and season seven. Oh, They're yeah. in charge. But like, I. I don't know. I, I mean, I'm, I'm all about just competent leadership. I, you know, I don't really care about gender. And anyway, we'll, we'll definitely jump into that season seven. Only point I want to make, though, is I think every single leader in Westeros in season seven is an absolute fool except for Sansa. Yep. 
like no one yep. acts as they no one. Um, so yeah, we'll we'll jump into that in a little bit, but yeah. So let's jump now to tier two. Yes. So what? I mean, what are what were your two seasons for tier two? Did you think it was more? You know, I I know I like personally season four a lot. I know you like that. What was the other another season that you thought was worthy of a tier two? Yeah. So the other really. In my mind, going hand-in-hand with Season 3, just because comes off uh, following the Blackwater in Season 2, where you had a lot of dialogues and preparations for battle. In Season 3, you get a lot of of actual battle. Mm -hmm. Uh, You get uh, get interesting, even little interactions with Jamie and Brienne getting to know each other. Uh, You get, you know, the Boltons getting named Warden of the North. Um, and yeah, but then, I mean, to not even to mention the fact that you have probably the most famous of all episodes, uh, you know, where you have the Red Wedding, the Race of Castamere. No, yeah, that, um... Reigns of Castamere was a bit wild, like, to this day. That's, I, let's highlight that briefly. So, Reigns of Castamere... <sighs> Not enough can be said about the episode, but complete game changer, I think, for all, I mean, not even Game of Thrones, but for pop culture, where it just grabbed you by the heartstrings and completely ripped it out or stabbed you, depending on how it ended for your character. Oh, totally. And it's amazing with that episode, because just that episode, in a nutshell, I think really encapsulates what Game of Thrones tries to do. Because here you have, early on, you have... Rob, who he he, he know he's won all these battles, but he's losing the war. He's losing support. He laid his grand plan to take Castle Rock out from Tywin Lannister, but he's got to go back to the man that he spurned, whose daughter he spurned, and you know flaunt his new wife in front of him, and just hope against hope that this guy is going to somehow turn the other cheek and help him defeat Tywin. Well. Big mistake right there. Yes. Um, you know, and but and the whole the whole episode just has all kinds of for you know foreshadowing. I mean, with, with Arya and the Hound looking across the river, her thinking like she's never actually going to get there. Um, you've got you've got interactions with John and Ygrid, who, uh, where I mean, you know, John finally, basically, he finally turns tail from the Wildlings and. Uh, goes back to being a crow in her eyes, and she can't believe it. And, um, I mean, of course, the wedding scene is fantastic with the, yep. all the points, all the scenes leading up to the actual stabbing. Uh, like, I mean, so I'm looking back on that episode too. You have eight real, like, kind of hmm, head scratching clues to give you right. But says, Dude, right and my other thing is like, Rob. Keep your direwolf next to you, man. Right? Like, what? what is he doing right there? How can you possibly feel safe in that feast? Like, my guy, you keep the wolf next to you. I mean, even if it kill it, like, fine. But you're the king in the north. Flaunt. Flaunt that power. Right? I don't know. But, yeah, it... I mean, it was heartbreaking, um, but also... I mean, it makes too much. Like you said, there's all these signs that point to it. And then after the episode ends, you're like, well, actually, this makes sense because they were getting the crap kicked out of them for a while. So, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, either way, uh, let's jump in. Season four, I know, because I, you know, just try to knock some of this stuff out. But season four is great. We really liked it. Best part about season four was probably the whole Tyrion trial sequence. But we also have great stuff with like John and you know the Night's Watch going and defending Mormont, while also going and uh, defending the Wall against Mance. Uh, we, we get Stannis showing up finally, like getting a battle a win. You know, Stannis beating the Wildlings was very much like a uh, power conference team playing an FCS team in football. <laughs> like, God, we we need let's yeah. just go, let's go get a win. Let's go like let's get the boys riled up. Uh-huh. <laughs> Uh, and but, we're not talking. We're not talking Appalachian State from 05. No, we're no. Talking, 
We're talking like Alabama. Um, yeah. Yeah. Alabama against like whoever, whatever poor team they have to face. So, uh, yep. but yeah, so we have that. And then at the same time we get Joffrey's death. Uh, never has the world been so happy about a teenage boy being killed. <laughs> yep. <laughs> uh, but yeah, so, and then of course, season one and two is our, uh, our next tier, third tier. We have season one and two, which we've talked at length about before. So you always check that out. But you know, Baylor, great episode. Uh, Battle of Blackwater, great episodes. High, like, just go watch those whenever you want. Those are fun. Now, these are the two sh- seasons I really want to talk most about, Eric. So, season five, uh, we we've talked about before. Season five just is slow. Uh, I mean, I think that's the best way to describe it. The first seven episodes are just extremely slow moving. Nothing really happens until Hard Home. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, and I mean, you get you get a lot of parts that. Quite honestly, in the books, we would have we would have wished we could just you know pass over. Um, but then you get all of, like the sparrows, you get the, the religious things going on, you get you get the nonsense with the sons of the harpy and Danny, and yeah, it, it, it's like a lot of the characters just stall. Barristan gets killed in in a really soft way because I mean he's supposed to be one of the best swordsmen in the world, mm-hmm. and then he's murdered by civilians wielding knives. I don't know. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Just just silly. Um, but then Hardhome comes around and kind of tries to save it. The last three episodes are really, really good of season uh, eight, five, sorry, episode eight, nine, and ten. Uh, and, you know, we try to we get a little bit of resolution in the last episode where Cersei has to make her walk of atonement. And that's to this, that's in a lot of lore, uh, pop culture-wise. I've seen it, like, referenced on Family Guy multiple times. <laughs> Oh yeah, <laughs> not surprising. That is, you know, it's one where like, you know, they're walking down like saying shame, shame, and then it's Peter doing it, and on the third time he's like shame, shame, shame. <laughs> uh, I can't watch that scene without thinking about it now. So thanks, Seth MacFarlane. Uh, but. More, most importantly, of season five is we have the death of Jon Snow, uh, which is how the spoiler alert. How John's story ends in the fifth book um, with him dying, and we then in season six get a quick, quick actually answered all that quick resurrection. Um, it made sense, but yeah, I just thought I think all that's very very interesting. So, mm-hmm. yeah, and it's almost a mercy at the end of. I mean, you pointed out in previous conversations the fact that after season three and four, I mean, we had the older generation and the warring generation all these people died and now in season five you're a little bit sitting around thinking huh well who's who's left a little bit yeah and we we kind of have to reset a bit exactly i mean we joke about it but from the ninth episode of season three to the last episode of season four so that's 12 episodes we get the death of tywin joffrey rob Catlin, well, I mean, the, all of the Robin Tully armies, essentially. Um, we get Oberyn's death. We get Tyrion's trial. Lysa Aaron's dead. I mean, <laughs> the Hound, you assume, is dead. Uh, so it just yeah. so, so much happens there uh, that, yeah, like season five basically was kind of like, all right, we need to recalibrate this thing. Let's, you know, we, all the player, let's take note of where everybody is on the board and then let's start moving them around again. So, yeah. Uh-huh. Um, but on, on a, I guess, final note with season five in mind, season five ends, and then that allowed for season six to be as good as we think it is. Because clearly it's at the, it's our number one season for the show. Uh, I mean, so good. So good on, oh, yeah. in a variety of ways. But uh, at either way, Eric, now we get to season seven. So season six ends with Winds of Winter, which is my personal favorite. I, I love Battle of the Bastards. It's a great episode. But like Winds of Winter, we have Cersei blowing up the Sept, Arya killing Walder Frey. Uh, we get oh, yes. Danny finally on her way over. And she has the Tyrells behind her and all of uh, Sunspear. And then finally we get the big Jon Snow reveal, which was decades in the making, especially if you're a fan of the book. Yeah. Early on. So we, we just love, love, love season six. I mean, season six ended, and I was like, yes, give me this forever. Then season seven happened, 
I guess I really want to go more in depth on season seven because it went, it was very different than I believe what me and you anticipated. Uh, yes, and it's one of the only that, not that we would say, we're obviously fans and we support and love the show, yes. but it's one of the only seasons that, well, it is the only season that I, that we would agree that if we could, we would go to the producers and ask them to rewrite probably the first half of the season. Yeah, uh, everything, you know, it, you know, it's like kind of everything builds up to what they call the loot train attack. And uh, I'm, I'm sorry, I'm, let me go back. I'm trying to remember the episode name there. I was going to say the Queen's Justice, but I know that's, oh, Spoils of War. There it is. Queen, yeah, Queen's Justice was three. Yes, and Spoils of War is four. So it kind of builds up to Spoils of War. And that's when I personally was like, yes, like now we're getting going, right? Now the season's going to take yeah. off. And then episode five and six were, I mean, there's something. I don't know if they're good, but there's something. So, I mean, Eric, do you want to kind of touch on, you want to touch on, I guess, what, because we liked some aspects of it, of course, but I just kind of want to talk to you right now about what were things that you would have improved if you could have, if you could have been the one plotting the story out. So if I had told you this is the story arc of Game of Thrones Season 7, what would you, if I was writing it, have recommended to me to do differently? So, for starters, six, end of Season 6, like you said, I mean, people made some boss moves. John's in charge in the North. Danny's coming over with an army. She's united the Dothraki, who have never crossed the Dead Sea. You have the Lannisters, who are, I mean, Cersei somehow managed to stay in charge. So she kind of, she shouldn't have a position of strength, but she does. Um, and you have the Iron Fleet with Euron. So you have some key power moves. But let's take a step back and remember, Danny's got dragons. Trump everybody. I mean, the way it should have gone season seven is, okay, great, she gets there. Instead of just sitting and letting Tyrion and her other advisors just kind of you know, have her lay low and take Castle Rock, take things that don't matter. She should have just flown straight to King's Landing, made some power moves right there, and forced everyone to listen to her. No, yeah, I I like that. You know, I th- I thought how season seven was going to play out would have been more along the lines of we're setting up the board for then Danny to go. Like Danny loses a little bit, and then Danny goes and starts winning and starts beating Cersei very easily. Because she has three dragons. And I thought it would have ended with season seven essentially being Danny is surrounding King's Landing. Cersei starts yelling, just burn them all. Just like the Mad King. And, mm-hmm. and then Jamie ends up killing her, fulfilling now he's the Kingslayer and Queenslayer. That would have been pretty cool. Though I can see how if. I hope that there is a moment in season eight where we get something like that because we do see that uh, with Jamie, how at the end of uh, in the, the Dragon and the Wolf, where mm-hmm. he learns that Cersei's gonna basically renege on her promise to help them, and she's gonna use the Golden Company to uh, basically to keep the hold. Yeah, uh, I mean, you do get that point there where Jamie does leave, like we all kind of hope he will rebel. Maybe or. I think our hope would be that we do get that scene in the next season of Jamie killing his sister. No, that's... I mean, that'd be cool. I've, I've got some predictions. We'll, we'll cover predictions here in a bit. But, I mean, that would be that would be cool to see. I just... I think the way they might do it might rush it a little bit. Yeah. Well, of course, instead of, uh, instead of having the 10 episodes, which... You would think they would keep because they had that down pat for six seasons. And, you know, what do you know? They decide to shorten it and save some of their production money for shorter, I don't know, bigger battles, I suppose. But we'll see. Maybe maybe shorter will be sweeter. Yes, you would, you would hope. I also do get a, I get a sense of feeling from Benioff and Weiss that they're just kind of tired of Game of Thrones and they're looking to do something different. You'd say that. Well, with like any great series, I mean, 
we saw it with How I Met Your Mother. We saw it with Friends. Uh, I like how you, you say know, we, any great series and you start with How I Met Your Mother and Friends. That's awesome. I know. I know. I know. I also, it's also the matter of the fact of seasons that were great and became less great because they lasted a little too long. You know, I guess another great, like in a truly great series, uh, I liked, so I, I recently watched Mad Men and I think Breaking Bad, I still stand by as my favorite all time series because Breaking Bad starts with a purpose ends with a purpose, right? Like, they never really lose sight of that goal. And it ends at a high note. Like, every season is better than the one before it. Yes. And I I have a... I have a feeling that Game of Thrones is going to be a little more similar to Mad Men, which I just finished. I I thought Mad Men is a fantastic show. Really enjoyed the voyage of Don Draper as a character, seeing even, you know, like, Peggy all the characters growing up but by season six season six was a little difficult to get through and i'm not saying the writing is lacking but you do kind of start running out of ideas and you're just just kind of like hey let's get to the finish line here well that's true and of course they're going on ever since really the end of season five they're going on all new original source material um, so, you know, for better or worse. For be- right. And, and season six, though, showed, it, I thought it was going to be better. Because season six, is, I mean, ends on probably the highest note that we've ever seen on Game of Thrones, where it's Danny's finally ready to conquer Westeros. The only problem is season seven felt like manufactured adversity um, for her particularly. And then also that none of the characters really act the way they should. So let's jump actually into kind of that area. So Sansa's the only one, it seems like, that's interested in feeding her people. <laughs> She's, yeah, it, it's interesting because, of course, they they want Jon to be the, the king of the north, um, but especially after that battle. But it's really Sansa who saved the day, bringing in the Knights of the Vale. And you're right, at, at, there comes a point where you know, she's, she's the one who's able to lead the North effectively. And, you know, everybody else is just kind of wandering about. You, you are, I, would, I would argue that the second best person in charge would be the Night King himself. I mean, it's funny, but probably, like, John. John's a great military commander when he's not got a death wish on his name, right? He's, when he hasn't just died. Yeah, like I mean, when he's like he's sitting there plotting, and he's just like, "We don't have enough men. Who cares? It doesn't matter. Like, let's see what happens." Uh, which I like, I get that. Like, I mean, I can I can't imagine the stress that man has going for him. But you know, John should be king in the north because he did lead the attack, and he's friends with the wildlings. He has all the right connections. Uh-huh. However, Sansa though should be one hundred percent would be the the hand of the king. Because she is extremely intelligent, knows how to run the actual North. Like, John is the figurehead, where she's more of the practical day-to-day. She can take care of everything and is hyper-competent when it comes to that. Right. And you sense that, you honestly sense that John, I mean, the whole series points to the fact that his purpose is a little bit bigger than just Winterfell. Whereas Sansa, she feels like Almost the natural heir to Rob. Yes. No, she she feels very much in like she's in Ned's veins, um, where she actually is interested in taking care of all the people. She doesn't really want to go to war. Like none of this is important. It's about feeding everyone, making sure everyone's working. Like that. That's more important to her than power plays and power moves. So it will be interesting to see when they show up, uh, John and Danny and the army, how the North reacts because John's given Danny permission to run the North, but Sansa's the one who's been doing it all. You know Sansa's going to be upset with them. Right. And that's not even to say which side which side Arya going to be on. Is she going to side with is she going to side with John, the brother that 
probably her favorite sibling, or is she going to side with Winterfell? I mean, she's she's no longer one of the faceless men. She's decided that she is a Stark. That'll be interesting to see. Certainly. Uh, now, before we jump into predictions, I do want to just touch on one other piece that a lot of Game of Thrones people and fans fans will kind of make fun of here. The whole plan to go beyond the wall just seemed very silly and contrived. Misguided. Uh, Just stupid. You know, man, I I stand by this. If they would have said that Jamie, if Jamie got captured by Danny's army, right? And then Danny goes and is talking to him and talking about how she's just going to invade. And then John is obsessed with the White Walkers and the Whites. And then Jamie brings up the fact that, listen, Cersei's not going to believe you. I'm not going to believe you. The people of the realm aren't going to believe you. Right? The only way we believe you is if you bring one of these things back. All right? Then... Right. It's not as then at that stupid. point, yeah. Then at that point, you're right. That would have that would have given us or led us to the logical conclusion of, hmm. All right, fine. I guess we do need to bring one of these creatures back here. Right, and then no would have made I think the trip back better is instead of doing it with a private audience, they do it in front of like the sept. Well, sept's gone. Do it on the red keep steps, <laughs> where where a lot of people can <laughs> see. Too soon. Yeah, sorry, too soon. Yeah, that was on me. I completely forgot. I was thinking of, like, Marjorie and Tom, and after they got married, yeah, they're up out there. And I was like, I'll oh, just do it right there. Oh, well, never mind. Yeah, that's, that, that got blown up. Oh, sorry. No one left. But, yeah, like, the people of King's Landing, I think, if they all saw saw that, then they would turn on Cersei. You know? Or, right. Or, I mean, never mind, never mind not having food to eat. They'd say, what in the world are those things? Right. And if, especially if John said they're all coming for you unless they help, then it's like, okay, then this mission wasn't completely stupid. And then you also mm-hmm. can get Tyrion and John and Jamie talking. You know, you, you can, you can play with that. I think that's a much, much better way to handle it instead of right. Tyrion's like, you don't have to have, yeah, you don't need to have Tyrion, you know, have Davos sneak him into the city. Like he's got to crawl through the sewer again just to meet, just to secretly meet with Jamie. Then he can walk into the throne room triumphantly like he should at this point. Right. I completely agree. And then, um, so Beyond the Wall, that was just, that was a bizarre episode. And then it felt just like the dragons were, of course, going to show up and save everyone. And then the Night King pulls out the spear and then gets a dragon. It basically, the whole season seven was just used to like show how powerful Danny is with one dragon and then to try to like level the field. Like, all right, let's make her a little less powerful. Yeah. <laughs> um, and then you know, I love how Danny brings two dragons with her for no reason whatsoever. And Cersei's like, oh she lost a dragon. That was to show her power. And it's like, Danny, why wouldn't you have just brought one dragon? Right. It's like, I mean you've clearly well, she's clearly a mother in mourning. Because she mustn't. That's the only logical explanation you could think of for why she wouldn't have. Because she is, she's pretty darn smart. Like she would, you would think that she would know better than to do that. But it just feels rushed. Like if John would have shown up on a on one, that would have been like, oh, cool. Like they both rode in. Like all right, there go. We ain't we ain't messing with these guys, right? Yeah. Wow. That's besides the point. Well. You know, we can harp on that all we want, but uh, last piece here. Uh, Tyrion on the love boat with John and Danny. Does Tyrion love <sighs> Danny? Like Whew. Yeah, the look the look that he gives and for anybody who well, you should have all seen it by now. But first man, just just watch that, you know, the last episode again. Because it's the one right before season eight. It's very curious the expression that he gives while he's while he's just there. It's weird, and you know that's on top of oh he may have betrayed her, and it's like well how? What would he have promised Cersei to betray them? Yeah, that's it's strange. So, with that in mind, we are really excited about season eight. Yes, 
And the worst part is that's true. Because, I mean, even though I didn't like season seven, I still love Game of Thrones. Oh, this is all this to say that the first, really the first six seasons set such a high bar for what we should come to expect. And season seven, if we didn't have the backdrop of the first six seasons to compare to, we would think it was great. We would have loved the battle, seeing the dragon attack the Lannisters. I mean, watching Jamie almost die and be saved by Bronn at the last minute. That's really exciting. That was, and that was a really exciting episode because you're rooting for people on both sides of the fight. Um, so I agree. Like that was a really fun, really fun episode. Mm-hmm. And even even at the very end, it's beyond the wall. Like as stupid as that, watching you know, kind of waiting, waiting to play that game of cat and mouse was, where Danny had to save all their butts. I mean, we get to see Benjamin Stark again. Right. Right. I mean, so. you know, let us not let us not forget good old Benjamin Stark. I mean, so. There is, there's a lot of cool moments in season seven, and you see the power moves. And if anything else, it's just what makes it so different is that we've come to see all these characters in their worlds, or we've gotten to see them grow in their different roles when they've gotten to new, you know, places. And now they're just they all got to work together. It's just I mean, you got a bunch of alpha dogs. You got you got a bunch of weird pieces who shouldn't all have to work together. Yep, exactly. Uh, Now, Eric, just to kind of, if it's all right with you, move on a little bit here. Let's jump into predictions for Season 8. Ah, yes. All right, so I don't want to play the who's dead, who's going to die game, because we'll we'll play that on the next podcast we do. Um, Guys, we're going to do a draft where we pick who we think is going to end up dying. It's going to be a lot of fun. But I do want to ask you, because I think it's important, is the show going to have a satisfactory ending? Or is it going to be like The Sopranos? <laughs> well, that's the age-old question. Um, I, I just don't see how they're going to have the most satisfying ending possible. I think, in my mind, the most, and we've talked about this before, the most, uh, if, to steal from Seinfeld, how you had the most Seinfeld-like of all endings, where they're just left in the self just talking about nothing and it just fits the show it's stupid but it fits the most Game of Thrones ending possible would have been you're left with just a crypt full of ashes and you just see the Iron Throne and nothing there and there's five seconds of silence and Peter Baelish walking walking in amongst the rubble sitting down on the throne and hearing Reigns of Castamere playing that's how Game of Thrones should have ended but since we don't have that I mean what I think will probably happen, James, well, I know you shouldn't, we weren't going to say who's going to be dead and alive, but as far as two characters, I think they're going to have to have, you know, John in some way defeating the Night King. Danny's not going to survive. She's going she's gonna to relinquish her throne in some way. They're going to be riding the dragons. and um, I think something's going to happen with Bran turning the Night King back into the first man like he saw in the vision. And something's got to have to happen with that. Uh, yeah, I would agree. The one you know, the one piece I just want to ask you about, because I, I honestly I got a little frustrated with this, is if you remember, Beyond the Wall has established now where if you kill the White Walker that created the Whites, all the Whites die. Yes. Which, I mean, that's such a MacGuffin. Mm. Just... Once again, Chekhov's gun, whatever whatever expression you want to use here, I mean, it's... We we know how this is ending. You know, like... <laughs> mm-hmm. You know, if you kill the one, you kill them all. You know? Right. <laughs> um, but, yeah, man, I, you know, part of me wants the Night King story, because the Night King is a personality-less villain. And... Game of Thrones is a show where the antagonists have a lot of personality. Uh, I mean, we see Ramsey Bolton. Tywin Lannister, to a certain degree, is a bit of an antagonist, but we also like him. Uh, so, you know, I, I, Cersei, even Cersei, you, for a while, you, you relate to, you know? So, yeah. 
where where do we go from here? I don't know per se, but I wish the Night King would end up dying early, and then it's the humans trying to sort out everything between themselves. And then you end up with instead of a great maybe like following the script of having episode two and the second to last episode being the best in a season, uh, instead having like the great wouldn't that be a twist? Is if we had the great White Walker battle and just the battle of all battles in like episode two or three, and then mm-hmm. we end up having a squabble again between the Starks and and everybody yeah. against the Lannisters to end it. Well, you know, I've heard actually. So here's a good. Good rumor for you, and, and we'll get in some theories right now. Actually, probably be a good time for it. But so the third episode is supposedly the Battle of Winterfell. So based on who the directing, so the director of episode three was also the director of the Battle of the Bastards and uh, Winds of Winter. Mm. So that, that, that makes sense. And he did um, Battle of Blackwater. So I mean, he, he's he's the battle guy. <laughs> um. So I would assume he's, you know, episode three is going to be going to be the battle, which would be awesome. Now, I just hope, though, that we get a little bit of not even clarification, but we just kind of get the final. You know, if the Night King's dead by the fourth episode, then we have two episodes to determine between you know Cersei and them and who's going to end up ruling. Yeah. So I don't know. Uh, I mean. At the end of the day, I would think that a lot of our favorite characters are going to end up dying. But um, a theory I want to posit to you. So you know how Melisandre always discusses the great other? Mm-hmm. So here's a theory. That Winterfell is named because that is literally where winter fell. A.K.A. the great other. And that the reason the Night King goes to Winterfell is to resurrect the Great Other out of the crypts. Oh, gosh. That's a... Oof. That would be really cool. Yeah. That would be awesome. And then you have Bran, and somehow becoming, if he's really, like, Bran the Builder. Yes, and then Bran goes back in time to try to figure out how to solve it all. Now, you know, Bran, we, we, there's an article by... A really, really handsome writer on offscriptonline.com. Uh, we don't name names, but trust me, he's a good-looking guy, funny. You all, you all love him. On Bran being the Night King. Uh, so that's something that's come up where people are arguing. Oh well, you know maybe Bran is going to be turned into the Night King. I don't want that to happen, only because I don't know how it could happen within the world and it makes sense yeah if there was a way that if, if there had been hints that have been dropped along the way that somehow uh, I, I mean we've seen that there's been hints of that brand can I mean he affected Hodor's mind back in time like maybe he did the same thing with the Mad King as well whisper, whispering about the wildfire mm-hmm. um, it, it would just be a real stretch if he was somehow the Night King Yes, and I don't, I don't like that either. I also don't like, and I think that was a great time to jump in. Uh, Bran, I think they completely botched his character. Season six, Bran was interesting. You know, he even makes comments where he goes back and you know sees his like his dad and his his dad and the fan, you know, their family when they were kids, right? And he tells the Three Raven, "Why did you show me something I wanted to see and then pull me away?" And we get a little more emotional. Like, you know, he's like, I want to see this. Where now, Bran is just, I'm all-knowing. This is what happened. So John is actually John Sand. And it's like, no, they got their marriage annulled. He's like, oh, I'm all-knowing, but I don't know that part. So here, yeah, it's just dumb. And he's so... Well, he's kind of, he's like, imagine if, he's honestly, he's like a slightly more, uh, or a slightly more subdued version of Harry Potter. In the Harry in the fifth Harry Potter book, where he knows things, but he's just moody all the time. Completely. And the thing that bothers me is the three-eyed Raven. We've seen him before. The old man. The old man wasn't emotionless. Like he got yeah. on brand at times, and I don't. I don't know. No, you know, we're looking back at episode, especially home. That's when Brain gets touched by the Night King, and then he tells. Uh, you know, he goes and tells the three-eyed raven, hey, 
I was snooping around where I shouldn't have been, and I got touched. And three-yard Raven is just kind of like, okay, like I was expecting this, but you know, we still have a lesson left that I have to teach you before you mm-hmm. leave. Uh, yeah. Which, you know, I, I just assumed that that was kind of, you know, Bran was going to be just Bran. He wasn't going to be a walking zombie. Yeah. And I mean, even like the interaction there where he has like with Mira, for instance, who's like traveled with him all this time. Oh, it's yeah. like, okay, you can't, like, how are you going to be this all-knowing, I don't know, just this all-knowing seer and visionary and then turn your back on the people who helped you get there? Like, okay, you don't just become a drone. That's right. Right, and I don't know. I think the, they they pulled out a character assassination on us, and mm. we'll see. But, uh, yeah, yeah, so... I am looking forward, though, to the last season. Uh, final prediction, I think the Iron Throne gets melted down, turned into Valyrian steel, and they use all of it to fight. Um, get, <laughs> I mean... Gendry forges the sword. Yeah, exactly. At the same time, like, you know, I, I don't think Danny's going to touch it. Going back to the House of the Undying in Season 2, Danny gets close to the throne but never touches it or sits on it. She sees a yep. door open. She walks through it. It's the wall. And then beyond the wall is a tent where she goes in. It's Cal Drogo and uh, Rhaegal, her son, you know, who would have been son. Uh, so I think that for Shadows, Danny end up, ends up dying, you know, and she doesn't make it to the throne, but she ends up dying there. Um, and that's why I would see John being on the throne would make sense. Or Tyrion, because, you know, I think that would be really cool. You know, the guy who's a midget who kind of saved everyone and everybody mocked, turns out he's the one who's on the throne. So, no, no, we'll see. That would be interesting. I think a better fit, a better fit, we all agree, I think, would be Tyrion being the hand to whoever becomes the king. 100%. Yeah, yeah, I would, I would agree with that. Um, but I also think it'd be kind of an interesting twist of, you know, he was mocked all these years and now here he is. Your leader. <laughs> so. It would be half man, half man, half man. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Um... But yeah, so uh, I... That'd Eric, be too lighthearted for Game of Thrones. <laughs> That's very true. Uh, Eric, what, what thoughts do you have, man? What was that? What's your, like, what's your prediction uh, before Game of Thrones starts? Ooh, my, my big overall prediction for who's going to be on the throne? Yeah, or just, you know, kind of like, what, what do you think might end up happening, or, yeah. Ooh, I think... I think Arya Arya's gonna stab Cersei in the gut. Ooh. I love this. I think Cersei because Arya, she's a vengeful little little titan. I mean, I've been waiting for the day when uh ooh, and because especially because Cersei is supposedly pregnant, because I think Arya knows what's gonna happen, uh, or she knows what has happened in the past. She learns how you know, she was there outside the gates when, you know, when Rob and, uh, and her mother were killed. And she's going to somehow sneak into King's Landing and basically in the middle of the night, like, Jamie's already betrayed Cersei and she's come back, like, she's seeing Jamie come back and she's ready to confront Jamie and Arya comes out of nowhere and stabs her right in the gut and she says, for my mother, and pushes her out a window and runs away. I mean... I could see that. I, I also, another area, I don't think Cersei, because we see Cersei at one point in one of the trailers with a tear in her eye and drinking some wine, it looks like. I think Cersei ends up losing the child. Yeah, I can see that. Because she's only, the prophecy said she gets three, she basically has three, three kids. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you'll have three. Gold will be their crowns, gold will be their shrouds. Yeah, I mean, she's not... That child is not going to be born. It just, it just isn't. No. So, we'll, we'll see. I'm curious to see how it all plays out. Uh, one, one last bit I just want to mention before we uh, move on. But, you know, we have, with Game of Thrones, there's a lot of moving parts. I will say I hope that the human dynamic comes back into play. And I would be extremely curious to see if Euron takes the army for himself or actually gives it to Cersei. Because that's another be, piece I could of, see. Yeah. Yeah. And Euron's, it's, 
he really shouldn't be a huge player because the, the, you know, the Greyjoys, I mean, the people of the Iron Islands, honestly, I mean, they were squashed in the previous rebellion. They weren't, they've never really been big players. It would be interesting to see if they managed to do something of importance. Oh, exactly. In this season. Very, very much so. So, great. Well, Eric, this was a fun episode. I'm happy about it. But we have uh, one more before official Game of Thrones starts. We're going to do a Deadpool, guys, where me and Eric do a draft on who we think is going to die. Um, I don't know. If you haven't seen Deadpool, watch it. And Deadpool 2. And Deadpool 2. Deadpool, yeah. Good movies. Good movies. Make sure you're, if you have kids, make sure your children aren't watching. Do not. Please, please do not watch them with your kids. Yeah, we, we highly recommend that you do not have a child in the room when you watch those movies. <laughs> yes. If there's a kid in the room, put on Zootopia or Tangled or, I don't know, whatever Disney Any, any other Pixar, want. yeah, exactly. Monsters, Inc., perfectly fine. Uh, Deadpool 2, keep that one for yourself. But, yeah, we so we got some stuff going on here, uh, too. We have Shazam is coming out this weekend. Um, this podcast is going to go up here on – I'm actually be flying tomorrow, so this podcast will be up on the weekend. So it's actually going to be up on Sunday, a week from Game of Thrones. So I'm so excited about that. But, yeah, guys, so just make sure you, you listen. Uh, keep going online. We're going to have some more stuff written up. Uh, Shazam is going to be good. We're going to have a podcast on that that I'm excited about. So, yeah, uh, Eric, any, any last thoughts? Yeah, and the only other thing is, uh, as you've been filling out these March Madness brackets and watching them get just decimated, feel free to fill out, fill out our Game of Thrones bracket. See who you think is going to fill, uh, fill the top spot on the Iron Throne. Definitely, um, and, and we'll repost that on Facebook and Twitter for you. So, And when we get in all the votes, we'll read off the crowdsourced top fan favorite yeah and that's that's gonna be part of the uh our deadpool podcast so yes make sure you stay tuned for that and fill out those brackets those are fun now uh, we got a lot of good stuff coming in i'm not gonna say who's winning so far but it's you know it's probably who you think it is <laughs> <laughs> i can tell you right now gilly gilly is not winning so yeah we love gilly it's, but uh, you know torment does not have a high spot yeah, exactly. Exactly. Oh, man. But, yeah. Cool, man. Well, thanks so much, Eric. I appreciate you uh, joining us today. And everyone, watch Game of Thrones. Finish watching it immediately because this is going to be the last bit of water cooler culture you're going to get for a while. Yes. Take time in between. Make sure you start watching it after work on Friday. Pause to watch UV and Auburn on Saturday and the other Final Four games. We obviously are biased, but take time to watch basketball and then continue with Game of Thrones and gear up for the <laughs> yep. premiere. Exactly. So thank you, guys. I appreciate you all listening as always, and uh, we'll be posting some more episodes here soon. So thank you. For the throne.